0: So it's the first Sunday of the month, and uh, we'd just like to repeat some things for those who might be visiting us or uh, checking us out online on the website. We do have a website. We do have an app. There's an email list you can request to be added to so you can keep up to date on uh, things that are going on as we move into the fall. I know that there's going to be a wonderful uh, family Christmas event coming up in December that uh, Kim and the team are putting together. Uh, but really, there's a, a wonderful opportunity. There's a welcome card out there. There's prayer cards. If you have a prayer request, there's in the rows there. You can fill those out, put in these boxes if you'd like. Uh, also, something that we mentioned, we don't mention it a lot, but uh, giving. There's a lot of different ways to give. Uh, you can certainly bring a check here and put it in the offering boxes. You can drop it off during the week. You can also do it online, mail it here. So just wanted to let you know, you know, again, we, we just ask you, seek the Lord, Seek the Lord. You know, giving is really part of the bigger aspect of stewardship and participation as a church family. So seek the Lord as far as that as we move into the final quarter of the year here. Um, But welcome. You know, if this is your first Sunday, welcome. And uh, we're looking forward to a great service together. So uh, why don't we stand together and we're going to worship and then I'm going to share with you what we're going to what we're going to be doing. So let's stand together and let's continue in worship. Use now even through that song to be focused on you it says our God is greater our God is stronger God you are higher than any other And so father we uh, even now just in the busyness of getting here just want to quiet our hearts and just focus on you just focus on you and thank you for the privilege again to gather gathering and, and father I just want to also pray for the other churches in the valley that are gathering Uh, Pray for the pastors and all our brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would bless their time of worship as well, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up in the Ohio Valley today. And Father, that again, you would accomplish your purpose, your plan for each person here in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we've been sharing a little bit that uh, today's going to be a different kind of service, and uh, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and we kind of paused for the last few weeks. And uh, we paused because in Philippians 4.1, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, he says this. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. In the NIV, it says, stand firm in the Lord. And so the last two weeks, we've been looking at this, this truth, this command to stand firm in the Lord. And two weeks ago, we asked, okay, it says, in the Lord. And we asked ourselves, and we were challenged with, is there something in my life? Uh, Some people would call it an idol. We looked at another term called a functional God. Something in my life, in your life, that we actually rely on more than God for our stability, our security, our peace, our confidence. Right? doesn't have to necessarily be something evil or bad. In fact, in our affluent culture it can be a lot of good things right career 401k finances and we were really challenged you know two weeks ago lord is there something in my life it says stand firm in the lord and if we were honest with ourselves, two weeks ago we asked ourselves, is the lord really my stability really my strength really my source of peace and confidence or is it even myself my own abilities my own intellect my own skill set Right, And so we work through that. And then last week, uh, in Ephesians 6.10, this this idea of standing firm came out again. And and this is what he wrote. Ephesians 6.10, the Apostle Paul writes, "...a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world." and against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And last Sunday, we, we looked at this idea of standing firm in the midst of what he writes here, a very real spiritual battle. There is a very real devil. And when it says stand against the schemes Uh, The strategies of the devil, we saw that's just not general strategies because the devil's generally a bad guy, right? What we said is the enemy schemes, strategizes, plots, connives, thinks about logically, methodically how to destroy your life. It's not just general, right? And you saw me that. If you saw the video last week, I brought some of my fishing lures and I shared that, you know, I use specific lures for specific fish. And the point of that was the enemy, in his strategies and schemes, casts out specific temptations, specific things to you, to me. Because the Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking to someone to devour. It's not a game. It's not a game. And and I shared with with the the leadership team this morning you know if you go down the hallway there the kids are doing the armor of God and it's really Kim did a great job decorating and it's all that and it's really cute right and I think sometimes as adults we see that and we're like oh that's so cute and we kind of get deceived into thinking that the devil is just for kids and that's really good for them and that's really cute you know that would make a nice costume and somehow or another I, don't, I wonder if the devil's strategy is actually for us to take him not seriously. If we don't even think he exists, if we don't even think he's real, if we just think it's just a, it's just a, you know, he just wants to mess with us a little bit, well, then he's already got us, right? Because we let down our guard. There's no need to put on the armor, right? And I asked you last Sunday, how many of us in our prayer time consciously say, Lord, I need to put on the armor today? And again, you know, don't answer this, don't answer this home, but just did you consciously this morning say, Good morning, Father? And Father, I know that there's an enemy. According to Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, the enemy is out there. Father, I need your armor today. I need the Holy Spirit today. Or how many of us, again, because we're kind of just complacent maybe, or we're not aware, we're not focused like we need to be, we kind of just moseyed into a Sunday. We got up and got breakfast maybe read your bible but because it's sunday you don't really have to have quiet time because this counts as quiet time you know i mean i'm (laughs) just saying right i don't need a quiet time do we need a quiet time on sunday if we go to church yes okay well we got a yes there but i'm not sure that would be consensus i'm not sure that would be unanimous right because doesn't church take care of it all so it's funny right i'm not sure how serious we take spiritual warfare I just don't know because if we did, it would be reflected in our prayer time, in our time in the word, in our time at church. But again, one of the strategies, especially in our culture, is we're comfortable, everything's good. You know, stuff happening in the world that's across the ocean. You know, things are tough here. Gas prices are what they are, but it's not as bad as over there. And again, we just kind of get lulled into comfort and complacency. Because I told you before, if the the enemy were to show up with, you know, red and scary and a pitchfork and a, you know, all of that, he would just scare you right to Jesus, right? You would show up, you'd sit in the front row, you'd have your Bible, you'd be be raring to go. But devil's slick, smart, right? Like I shared with you last Sunday, if he could get Adam and Eve in the garden to disobey God, how much more you and me? right and yet he gets us to think we got pride we got it all together and I'm too slick he ain't going to mess with me as soon as you say I'm too you're done right he's already got you cuz he's got you relying on yourself and so we're going to move forward a little bit because after he talks about putting on the full armor of God he goes into each piece and then last year I think it was last year we went through each piece of those so I encourage you to go back if you weren't here for that go back to the armor of God And then we did another series even on prayer, and we looked at Jesus' model prayer. But in Ephesians 6.18, after the armor of God, he says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So he speaks about putting on the full armor of God, says we're in a spiritual warfare. He goes through each of the pieces, and then he concludes that thought, that paragraph, by saying, hey, you need to pray. You need to pray on all occasions, right? In fact, another scripture says pray without ceasing. And so this morning, as I was thinking about this passage, you know, in church, we teach on prayer. Like I said, we did a series on Jesus, the, the Lord's Prayer. We did that. We walked through it. We encourage you to pray, right, as a discipline. But for whatever reason, sometimes at church, we relegate prayer to opening prayer, closing prayer communion prayer right there's slots for prayer but in my experience of 30 years of, of churchdom it's been very few times on a Sunday that the church has actually prayed right because we're here to get a sermon right and I like what Bill said you know we were talking about this and he's like well if, if, we, if we focus on Sunday on prayer is that going to count because we didn't get a sermon. And the people say, well, well how was church? And I was like, I don't know. We just prayed. <laughs> Isn't that, uh, right? And, and that, that's just how, we're, how we've been lulled again into tradition and sort of like, this is like glorified Sunday school. They're in kingdom kids, and you're like in adult kids. And you sit in rows like school, and you listen to the teacher talk at you, and some of you take notes, and some you know, and it can be very passive. So this morning, we're not going to be passive. We're going we're to pray together. We're going to pray together. And what's really interesting is how many of us have ever even looked at the word pray in the Greek? Well, what does even pray mean, right? Because if I say, did you pray? Most of you are going to define that like, yeah, I gave God my laundry list of what I want him to do for me. I prayed. I talked at God. I gave him my wish list, and I said, in Jesus' name, because that's what we have to say, right? In order for it to count, wink, wink, no. <laughs> and we looked at that, right? In Jesus' name is not a superstitious tag that you add on there, or it doesn't count. That is not what in Jesus' name is all about. Go back and look at the series if you need to. To pray. The, the word pray in the Greek is prosuhomai, homai Okay? The word pros, the, the prefix pros means to become very conscious and aware of the fact that you are coming into the presence, in this case, of God. See, if, if a famous celebrity in whatever field, music, politics, sports, were to walk in, some of you would go, oh, I'm in the presence of Somebody, so-and-so was at church today. And you would, your, your whole body would react. If, if, the right, if just the right person walked in right now, if I surprised you and said, hey, get, and let's welcome you, would be like, oh, I'm so glad I came today. Right? And you would have this reaction to being in the presence of somebody that you esteem, that you value, right? You want their autograph before they leave. Well, pros, ooh, oh my... We should have that same like, oh my gosh, I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the presence of God, the creator. Through faith in Jesus, we have the privilege, Hebrews 4.16, to come with confidence, and one version says, boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly and with confidence to the throne of grace. But it's not just to come in and walk in and say, okay, uh, Father, could you do this and this? And I really, you know, could you, could you, could you, could you, could you, could you, could you? Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. No, the first part of prayer is coming into the presence of God. And so what we're going to do today is, is some of you who've been with us, um, we've done this model before. We share with you, it's called the ACTS model, A-C-T-S. Okay, it's just a model. It's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And we're going to walk through this today. We're going to pray this, through this, okay? And I'm going to encourage you, you're here, if you're at home, participate. This is Participation Sunday, because we are praying together. And for some, it might be challenging, because you've never, again, your prayer has been sort of you talking at God, and when you're done talking, you say amen, and your prayer time's over. Well, you're going to see that S, supplication, at the very end is when we will bring our request, but there's a whole lot leading up to it. Prayer is a relational, it's a relational time, okay? And part of that, in in the very beginning, in, in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says, Hey, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Be thy name, depending on your tradition, right? That word hallowed refers to being holy, set apart. So Jesus, the very first thing Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, it's all about you. My focus is on you. It's not about me. My focus is on your holiness, on your your mercy, your grace. I am here in your presence. Hallowed be your name. The very first element, adoration, is about taking it off of me because we live in a world that's pretty much me-centered. And in times of prayer, right off, Jesus himself says, our Father, hallowed be your name. Take your eyes off of you and focus on the nature and character of God himself. And the privilege to be in his presence. The Bible says, because we have faith in Christ, we're, we, we can come to him without fear as his children. Do you know how many people on this planet would love to be able to come to God with confidence and boldness? But through faith in Jesus, we have that opportunity. Amen? Amen. So this morning, we're going to start with adoration. Okay? I'm going to encourage you, hang in there. And we're going to have a time of prayer. We're actually, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to pray for just like a minute or so. I'm going to encourage you, it's a discipline. And after 30 seconds, you're going to feel like it's been five minutes for some of you. You'll be like, oh my gosh. Because our culture is like this. If you have little kids, how many of them have a hard time sitting still? For like a minute. Well, that's adults. You know, we're, we're swiping, tick, 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 clicking. We got to go, we got to go. And in prayer, if we're going to properly adore God, we have to stop and choose to be fully present in his presence, right? And, and, and in, in the Bible, names are important. How would be your name? Here's some names of God. Elohim, God, creator, mighty and strong, supreme one. El Shaddai, God Almighty, all-sufficient one, the Lord God Almighty. El Elyon, the most high God. El Olam, the everlasting God, the eternal God. And so we're going to pray. And we're going to walk through this Acts model together. And I'm going to encourage you. Hang in there. Some of you are familiar with this, and you're like, yes, I love this. And others you are like, I've never done this before. I've even never heard this. It's okay. This is your opportunity to grow. But more importantly than growing, because that's self-centered, more importantly, to be in the presence of God. Okay? So we're just going to sit quietly here, encourage you at home, in adoration. Everyone say adoration. Adoration. Okay. Don't go to Thanksgiving yet. (laughs) Adore God. And here's it. God, I praise you because you are. Okay? Don't go to thanks because some of you are going to go to thanks. That's coming. God, you are. Father, I praise you because you are. Focus on his character and his nature for just a minute or so. Just a minute. Okay? So, Father, we're going to adore you right now. We're going to adore you. Jesus said... When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So, Father, for just a minute or so, we want to turn our full attention to being in your presence and focus on your nature and your character. i Area of focus is uh, what we call confession, and uh, Bill's going to lead us into that.
1: So the C in Acts, the model, stands for confession. So what is confession? And what is it that we confess when we go to the God that we adore in these prayers of confession? Well, you see, we simply confess sin. That's right, sin. And so we ask ourselves in prayers of confession, what is sin? And the word sin... I've always found very interesting because it comes from archery and sin in archery is missing the mark. There is a there is a there's a mark, there's a bullseye, isn't there? And when the archer pulls back the bow and releases the arrow and misses the target, it's called a sin. So we sin when we miss the mark, the mark that God has established. And what is that mark? You see, the mark that God establishes for us is righteousness and holiness that he calls us to. And we miss that mark, don't we? When we, in the things that we think, sometimes in the things that we we say, in the things that we do, we miss the mark. Often. And we're called on, commanded actually, in those cases, to confess those things. Which simply means in confessing to God that we agree with him. Confessing is agreeing. So prayers of confession are actually prayers of agreement. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And King David, according to the scriptures, who was a man after God's own heart, right? We know the story of King David. And he had much to confess, King David did, just as each of us do. See, David understood well this idea of confession when in Psalm 51.1, he said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. And through prayers of confession, God promises to do exactly that, exactly that. In Isaiah 44, God says, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. You see, without prayers of confession, what have we done? We have turned away from God, haven't we? And the target that he so aptly put before us, which is righteousness and holiness. But God is so good. Amen? Come on, God is so good. He is good. And not only is he good, he is faithful, he is just. And when we agree with God that we have missed the mark and we bring whatever that is to him in prayers of confession, he does what only God can do. Because he does what only a good and faithful and just and merciful God can do. You see, he purifies us. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not some, all unrighteousness that he calls us to. On the other hand, if we don't confess and repent of our sins, what happens? Proverbs 28, 13 tells us that whoever conceals his transgressions or sins will not prosper. Unconfessed sin, you see, results in a lack of spiritual prosperity. And that includes peace and joy if you've lost peace and joy. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you now. So back to King David in Psalm 51. You see, after he went to the Lord in confession, I love this. He confessed to the Lord his sin. And King David knew exactly what he needed at that very moment. When he asked his heavenly father, after his confession, he said, Oh, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. And you see, I think for some that prayers of confession are very challenging, aren't they? Even when we know the Lord our God already knows, he asks us to come into his presence through adoration and confession. And then I assure you when we do this, uncomfortable as it might be, God is faithful. He is faithful to purify you, and he will. He will remember no more any transgression that you bring before him, and he will never hold it against you ever, ever. This is good news. Amen? Amen. This is good news. So now it's our time individually. In adoring God, coming into his presence in this place at this very moment or wherever you are in hearing this, come into the presence of God and take a couple of minutes with your heavenly father to confess anything that he has put on your heart that has separated you from him in righteousness or holiness And allow him, as only he can and will do, to purify you and me from all unrighteousness and all to his glory. So take a minute or two now and humbly come before the Lord in confession. Amen.
0: Area we'll be focusing on is Thanksgiving.
2: So, yes, we are going to be talking about the tea, Thanksgiving, in our Acts model prayer. And actually, um, I'm going to take us through. Uh, prayer of thanksgiving uh, towards the end of my little devo here but at first I wanted to give some context to um, that prayer and kind of how it's really I guess kind of changed my life even though it's been very recent Uh, so some of you know that I'm taking uh, Bible college classes down in Simi Valley and uh, one of the very first things that my professor had us do uh, the very first week was learn learning how to pray and learning how to pray well and, you know, one of the th- I guess what that really looks like was, you know, for us is having consistent time in prayer every day, regularly, uh, and it was actually, it's actually graded, so it's kind of a funny thing. Uh, but it's really meant to challenge us, and, um, and one of those ways is obviously in this prayer that I'm going to share with us, but I wanted to actually read just a section from the notes uh, that my professor had for us in the first week, because uh, I think it gives some some context for some of this. And so he says, In this course, our emphasis will be upon how the Bible should be a means of leading us to encounter the living Christ, and therefore to be formed into his image and likeness as true followers of him, which I think that's a pretty good emphasis for a class. Uh, and he says, One of the starting points for this is by learning the ancient church tradition of liturgical contemplative prayer. And he says, don't fear this word liturgy. It simply means a work of the people, um, which as we, when we think about it are some of the teachings and prayers of the saints who came before us. So he says, some think of liturgy as dead, and those who recite liturgy as participating in a dead faith. And he says, this is a category error. Liturgy is neither dead or alive. It's either good or bad. And so if this liturgy helps us to be formed and shaped into the image of Christ, then it is good. And if it moves us away from this, then it's bad. So when you match a living, spirit-led Christ follower with good, ancient, rich liturgy, what you will get is a well-formed, passionate person who's becoming more and more like Jesus. And that challenged me because I don't use that word, liturgy, Um, you know, it's... It, to me, I think it's kind of old and crusty. And that was his challenge for us was in our prayer. And although it was optional, he gave us a morning liturgy prayer. And it's really just prayers of saints uh, from, you know, the past. There's also Psalms in there. Uh, there's like the, um, the Apostles' Creed and, and a few others. And so the whole idea is really to help us inform our, really our prayer. So often when he would lead us in class he would pray. And I'm pretty sure he's memorized all of these uh, in this little booklet. And he would pray for us. And then he would go into his own kind of personal prayer for us as a class. And again, the whole idea with this and the idea of this prayer of thanksgiving is really to, like it says, be formed and shaped into the image of Christ, even in the things that we're thankful for. Because I think we can all think of many things that we are thankful for, um, that we have, or things that God has done for us. And so my hope is that this prayer that we're going to go through uh, will just kind of set the stage for us in our, in our quiet time that we have of just personal thanksgiving. So if you look in your uh, the chair in front of you, there's actually a little sheet that says prayer of thanksgiving, and you guys have one too up here. Uh, so I'm going to read it out loud and just kind of go through it, and if you want to go through it, you can you know read it to yourself. But I just encourage us as we think about this, again, this is I am reading a prayer, which is odd when I first started doing this. Uh, but again, my hope is that it really uh, just helps us as we give thanks after after we pray this. So I'm going to go ahead and pray this for us um, just to get us started. So our prayer of thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks. And we give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service, and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. And it's through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom, with you and the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. And so, if you want, you know, we are going to take this time of personal prayer. I would just say, encourage you, if you want to go through that prayer again, uh, you can hang on to that. Let that really just inform you in your prayers. And not just today, it could be tomorrow. Uh, these are things that I'm, I'm taking upon myself to, to learn myself uh, in my own time of prayer and to really inform that. So um, right now, we're just going to have a few minutes of personal reflection and thankfulness to God.
0: Model is what we call supplication.
3: We'll just stand back here. Getting tight up here. Supplication. Sounds complicated when we don't know what it means, but it's really quite simple. Let's take a look real quick at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's the simplest form. The simplest form. Make your requests known to God. Now we poked fun a little earlier at making a laundry list of things. We're all really good at it. <laughs> That's supplication. We're petitioning the Lord. We have specific needs. We have specific concerns. Specific worry. Let's be honest in our life. We're not supposed to worry, but we do. We get specific. We petition Him. In the Western world, the petition, as we're familiar with, in the modern English language, is uh, signing a petition. Adding many more people on. I always want to remind everybody that we have our prayer email. I'm going to be very, uh, like I threw him a curve. There it is. Email this address. And these prayer concerns come only to the elders of the church. It's not a prayer team of our fellow parishioners, but it's just the elders of this church. And I say that because it's confined. Your prayer concerns that come to this email do not get loosed with everybody. You needn't be specific with names because the Lord knows the name. Just the concern. We take very, very seriously here the privilege to be part of your petition to the Lord. You absolutely can talk to the Lord yourself, by yourself, keep these things in house. But when you petition him and you broaden the voices that are crying out to him on your behalf for your concern, it's that much more powerful. Um, In my walk through the years, the idea of, of adding other people into my prayer concerns was not just foreign, but taboo. Would never want to add other people in. And I can't tell you the exact time in my life where that became the standard, but one day I woke up and it seemed it was. Lifting the burden off of myself, keeping things private between just me and the Lord, it became second nature to bring other people in to be sharing in those concerns and in those prayers. Very, very powerful. And we love that here. We love to be able to do that for you. Oftentimes at the end of a, of a uh, standard service, we might have a what we call an altar call. This is the altar. Everyone's welcome to come up by themselves, seek prayer with someone else. Uh, we also call it an invitation. Why do we call it an invitation? Because you're being invited to do that very thing. When we end today, I will make myself available. If you'd like to come up, you don't have to, but I'll make myself available you can use the email. We encourage all of you that are live streaming online at home. We love you. We want to hear your prayer request as well. Certainly everybody that's here. This is a tremendous resource to be able to petition our Lord specifically with our needs and supplication. But if you're here today, if you're online, if you're watching at a later date, there could be a darkness to this in your life. You may not have a personal relationship with the Lord. That prayer is all supplication as well. We're being specific. We're praying to the Father. We're starting that relationship. And that prayer and the supplication within it is asking him to come into our life and dwell us with his Holy Spirit and give us the privilege, the honor And the resource of having this relationship with Him. Without that, you have nothing. You're here today because you are a believer or you're seeking one or the other. Very simple. You don't know about it or you know about it and you're rejoicing in it. Everyone here, everyone online has a prayer need. Please, I encourage you, send an email, come forward and talk to us. Don't go it alone absolutely, prayers of supplication, petition the Lord, broaden the spectrum. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to pray in a moment. And when I'm finished with the prayer, please keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Then we're going to move into the music, the silence, and your time to petition the Father on what's burdening you in your life and specifics of how you'd like to hear from him that supplication but if you don't know jesus this would be an example of how you reach out to him father in heaven i acknowledge before you that i am a sinner i'm separated from you and i'm in darkness i'm asking you father to come into my life with your holy spirit and save me bring me into the light that I may adore you, that I may confess to you, that I may pray to you in thanksgiving. Father, I need you. My life here without you will end shortly, and I'll be separated from you forever. I praise you and thank you for the opportunity to call out and reach out and know that if my heart's in the right condition, and you are the only one that knows that, you will respond with salvation. I pray these things in your name. Amen.
0: You're going to move into a time of communion, and uh, if you're visiting or you're new, uh, you really have two options. We invite you to come forward, and uh, we really make that opportunity available because communion is communal. It's part of being the community, and and so when you come forward, not only do you do it in remembrance of Christ and what he did for you uh, on the cross, his death and resurrection, but it's also sort of a symbolic gesture, a symbolic statement that I am part of the body of Christ, that we all share in Jesus, we're all in Christ together. Uh, if if you would like, there are cups in the rows, and you can feel free to take communion there if if uh, you know if that's your preference. But uh, really, want to encourage you. We're going to give you this time of communion. If you'd like to come up, you can get a cup and go back to your seats and just take communion really on your on your own. You know, in your in your own time with the Lord. Uh, I really love communion in, in this aspect. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And certainly he's talking about the gospel and and what he' done on the cross and salvation, but even today, if you look at the Gospels, Jesus often went away to pray. He's a great role model for prayer. he would get away from the crowds, right ultimately into the garden. it was prayer, and so uh what you know if Jesus needed to pray, how much more us right right and so uh Marvin's just gonna simply play on the keys and we're gonna open this time for you to come forward if you like. And this is really just your time of communion with the Lord. So Father, thank you for the incredible privilege we've had to be in your presence, to adore you, to confess, to give thanks, to bring supplication requests. And now, Father, we again... I cannot even imagine the privilege we have to take communion together as a church family. To remember you, Jesus. Just the incredible grace, the incredible love. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. And so communion is just not simple tradition. It's not just something we we add at the end of a service. It matters. Because it, it it's symbolic of what unites us to you and to each other as the body of Christ. And so now we, uh, we prepare our hearts and we enter this time of communion in remembrance of you, Jesus.